Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to build your faith and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. In this episode, you'll hear how God spared my guest's life when she was in a plane crash. And there's a lot more to her story. So welcome. I'm so glad you tuned in. Hey, have you heard about the Her God Story podcast clubs? It's a great way to gather together a few friends, neighbors, or colleagues to talk and encourage each other in your journey of faith. And it's very simple. Listen to the same episode, download our prepared podcast questions from hergodstory.org, and then discuss over your favorite refreshments. And you can even invite friends who don't know Christ yet. Include them in the conversation and see what God will do. Listening to an episode takes much less time than reading most books, and we think you'll have a lot of takers. So gather some friends and try it out. When you do, email us at prayer at somebodycares.org to let us know so we can be praying for you. You know, when the Apostle Paul was in Athens, he shared some rather startling truth with the people there. In Acts 17, verses 24 through 28, he declares that the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lives. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. Have you ever really stopped to think about that? What does it mean for you and for me to live and move and have our being in God? My guest, Yoka Yokubu, had a revelation of that, and it changed the course of her life. Born in the Netherlands, she now leads literacy programs in rural Ghana, where she lives with her husband and two sons. In fact, she zoomed in today over the internet from Ghana to share with us how God has worked in, for, and through her. Welcome, Yoka. Tell us a little about your childhood and how you came to Christ. Yes, well, as a child, I had the privilege to being raised in a Christian family. Uh, my parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. From my childhood onwards, we used to visit a, a Bible-believing uh, Baptist church. Um, so I grew up with the gospel and with loving and caring people who showed their Christian faith to me. I think uh, especially my grandmother, she was very vocal. As a child, I always knew um, Jesus is my friend. So whatever troubles I had as, as a child, uh, I, I still remember on my bicycle, I would pray or I would say Jesus is my friend. So really from the very from a very young age, God really planted a seed in my heart. And maybe also to mention, my, my mother was sick and she fell sick when I was at the age of eight. Uh, she had multiple sclerosis. And um, I think I also found that comfort in Jesus. And I could also see how my parents really held on uh, to the strength they received through Christ and through God being present in their life. So that all prepared me. And I think one day, one Sunday, 
um, I was really touched by the gospel and I knew I have to give my life to Christ myself and not just follow uh, my family. And at the age of 13, uh, I was baptized. So mm. that was my early. Yeah. And, you know, as is often the case with those who put their faith in Christ when they're young, you had a deeper revelation of what Christianity is all about when you were a young adult. Uh, what was that? And how did it change your view of things and even your relationship with God? As a child, when I gave my life to Christ at 13, I, I knew I was a Christian. There was no doubt about it. And I um, did things church people do, go to church, uh, go to Bible studies, join a choir, all those those things uh, you do. But at the age of 18, I was invited to a youth camp uh, from a Christian organization. And there... I mean, God's spirit really spoke to me, not only to me, to a few other members of this youth group uh, from the church, where God really revealed himself to me in a way where God said, Yoka, it's, it's, not, about, it's not about you going to church, but it is truly, truly about you allowing me to take your life, every aspect of your life. And that is why this verse from Acts, where, you know, in him we live and move and have our being, God wants to be part of it all and not that alone, but he also wants us to give that joy and that satisfaction and that motivation, you know, to, to live our life for Christ and that, that he may come first in everything we do in our conversations, in our work we do, in, in even the small interactions we have. And not that I'm, I'm perfect, <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes, but As really... We all do, yeah. Yes, that, that is where I, I really was so much touched by God. And that that's, that made me so much fuller of Christ and, and so much more wanting to commit all I could uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Yes. Yeah. And around around that time, you also went on to university for further studies. Um, mm-hmm. Share about that season in life, because God was certainly at work with you, in you at that time, really showing you some expanding your horizons and showing you new things about him and about the body of Christ. Yes, definitely. Um, of course, when I grew up, I grew up in a, in a Baptist church and it was kind of very protective. Um, I didn't see much outside the church or other churches. And when I um, started my studies, I moved to a different town and I joined uh, a Christian student organization. And there, of course, I got in contact with so many people with different church backgrounds, maybe different ideas, different opinions. And it made me to realize, yes, we can be so different. There can be so much diversity. And yet we are all united in Christ. We all love each other. We all love Christ. And that really opened my perspective on the body of Christ. There's so much diversity and that it's also so beautiful. God's body is so diverse, so many different people. And yet we all have that same bonding. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are from. Once you know Christ, that you, you find that unity, you find that oneness. Yes. Yeah. And, and then in the course. Of, hmm? Yeah, go, I was going to say, and in that and in that same time period, you have really your first introduction to missions. Yeah, right. Yes. So. God continued to work on me, as you said, and keep planting things in my heart towards missions. Um, so I really had the desire to share God's love uh, with more people and learn more about how, how do you do that. Then I decided to join uh, Operation Mobilization for a summer, uh, for summer evangelism. Uh, and we went to Berlin 
again there I got into contact with an international group of believers. So God was expanding my my horizon again. And in interacting with these people and, and, and being part of the team, I really also God really kindled that desire in me to to know God's word better, um, to to get a deeper understanding of what he wants to tell us through his word. So that that also again increased my love for the word of God. Really did have a hunger to learn more about mm-hmm. God's word and more than you, more than simply going to church or reading it yourself, you really wanted to delve into what it meant. So after you graduated from university, you even went on to Bible school. Um, yes. What, how did that time impact you? I finished my, my university course. And as I said, a desire was still there. So I, I joined a, a Bible school uh, from towards better Bible schools in the UK. And I thought when I went there, I really thought, okay, I now learn a lot of theology and, and I don't know what I was thinking. But actually the focus of the Bible school was again to, yes, to study the word of God, but to study the word of God and let God really speak to you through his word. And although we can use other sources, we can use books, we can use teachers, you know, I remember the first meeting we had with the principal was he really encouraged us to take the Bible. Uh, your first source is the word of God in you yourself and let God speak to you. Meditate on the verses and let God speak to you. And then, you know, gather other sources for you to maybe get more understanding or deeper understanding. So what it did to me was to really, really, uh, again, have the, the, to understand how rich God's word is for us. You know, you can read the same passage again and again, and all the time you find something new in it and something encouraging. Um, and it also, the also other reason I went there was uh, with the desire maybe to go into missions that God would also tell me, or maybe after the Bible school, he would tell me what to do or where to go. And uh, he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, I was thinking yeah. about applying God's word, you know, as we read God's word and we really read the full word of God. I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, all of it. We can start understanding uh, what's happening in the world and in our lives in light of God's word. It changes our perspective. You know, it kind of removes the filter <laughs> that we might have from faulty thinking and gives us yes. the right perspective. So, you know, when we are confused about what's going on in the world, when we get into God's word, he does speak mm-hmm. to us and, 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 give us clarity that helps us even in uh, even in some challenging situations yeah definitely definitely it's it opens up so much and and um well today's day it's it's still the same like whenever you are in difficulties or choices you are making or even if you are so happy that word of god you know has so much to say to us yeah yeah, yeah. So after Bible school, you didn't have direction really on missions. So you went home and you started working. Um, but God was really working in you even then, giving you a desire to do something different, but revealing truth to you in the midst of your work. What what were you doing and what was God impressed yes, during that time? I uh, got a job at a, a job center where I worked as a career counselor. And I was working with people who had been unemployed for many years and immigrants. And for most of them, the situation was quite desperate. It was really hard to get a job. 
I remember one time the wife of one of my clients called me and told me, Joke, if my husband doesn't get a job within the coming week or so, he will kill himself. And I mean, this this was the extreme desperate situation, but there were others as well who were so struggling with their lives. And I had a desire and said, oh, I, I wish I could share Christ with you. But here I was, I was in a public place and there was no way I was allowed to do that. But it showed me again and it's kindled again the desire in me to, to be able to share God's love with others. And um, yeah, so that, 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 that was the situation. I was there, I was okay, but I knew this cannot be it. So Yoke, after Bible school, uh, the Lord didn't show you really what mission he wanted you to be involved with. So you went back home and you started working. Um, but God was also showing you and talking to you through the work you were doing. What, what were you doing and what was God impressing on you during that time? I went back to the Netherlands and I had a job at a job center uh, where I was working with people who had been unemployed for many years and immigrants. And actually their situation was very dire. I mean, they, they were far away from a job. So a lot needed to be done in terms of education or skills training or whatever. Uh, but it was actually a lot of despair among some of them. They were to take care of their families, had a lot of responsibilities. And there was one case where uh, the wife of one of my clients called me. I had never met her anyway. And she, she told me yoga my husband tells me that if he doesn't get a job within now in a week or a month's time, he will kill himself. And I mean, this lady was serious. She was not just saying it. I was in a public place and not only this client, but the other clients as well, where you felt like if only you knew Christ, not that all problems would be solved, but at least to have an anchor or to, to, to have something or somebody to console you and strengthen you. But I was at a public place and I was not allowed to share Christ there. So it really made me to think, I, I want more. I don't want to be restricted uh, in, in how I relate to people. Yes. So you finally had an opportunity to attend a missions conference and God mm -hmm. gave you direction that you'd been seeking. Share how that happened. So I, I joined a very big mission congress uh, in the Netherlands. And during one of the services, God really spoke to me and I, I can't remember exactly what happened. The only thing I knew during that meeting, God was telling me, I know your desire for missions. Today is the time to choose, which was very scary because I was like, oh, do I want this? Do I have to choose? Uh, and I was imagining myself, so if God wants me to go into mission, does it mean next week I'm at the airport with my suitcases going someplace? I don't know. So it, it was very scary, but because I knew God had really uh, spoken to me, I said, I have to talk with somebody about this. I have to share it with somebody who might be able to guide me. So at a mission Congress, there were counselors. So I decided to go to one of them and I shared my story with her. And she asked me a lot of questions. I also can't remember much about that conversation, but at the end of the conversation, she asked me, can I pray for you? Sure. And then. After she finished the prayer, she asked me, Joke, have you ever thought about Wycliffe Bible translators? And truly, I was angry. I was disappointed. I was like, did you really listen to what I was telling you? I, I don't know what I told her, but I just had this imagination of a Bible translating, sitting at a desk, you know, 
with books all around him or her and, and being and, and writing. And I thought, no, that is not something <laughs> which fits me. So I was even angry with God. I went, now, well, here I am, I'm ready. And, and this is all you have for me. So I walked down the stairs and there were all mission uh, organizations represented at that mission congress. I mean, more than hundred, I believe so. So I walked down the stairs and right at the bottom of the stair was a big sign, Wycliffe Bible Translators. And I was like, okay, it doesn't hurt to just go and talk to the people and, and see. And I came there, I met a lady and she asked me all kinds of questions about myself, what I had been doing. And then said, oh, have I ever thought about literacy work? Is literacy work? I never knew about literacy work in relation to Bible translation. And she said, yes, of course, if people put the language on scripture, uh, on, on, on paper, and they start translating the scriptures, how will people want to read the Bible? And I was like, of course. And then she shared a lot about literacy work. And there just clicked. I knew, yeah, this was something God really wanted me to investigate. Maybe not that I knew this was really it, but I even remember calling my parents after that. So, okay, this is what happened. And this is what I believe God wants me to do. So it was really something that God really, really spoke to me. And I think what I also um, love so much about uh, Wycliffe Bible translators uh, was this verses from, from Romans 10. Eh? How, you know, how do people uh, come to believe? Eh? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring God news. And then consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. And I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. I, I, I want to make the word of God available in the language of the people's hearts. And yes, some will do the translation, but let me be part of the literacy work and teach people to read the word of God. So, so it all then came together. And I knew this, this was the right direction. So, Yoki, you were a single woman and you were taking mm -hmm. a huge step to become a missionary. And so many questions come to mind. I mean, how did you prepare for that? What was the process? What were your concerns along the way? How did you know where to go? I mean, you knew who you were going with, but there's a whole wide mm -hmm. world out there. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go on and on, but I'll let you talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Wycliffe had a very, um, uh, what shall I say, a, 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 a very, Oh, I can't find the word now. Well, an application process, which was, was quite thorough. So there are a lot of stages you had to go through um, and a lot of interactions with people at the, at the Wycliffe office to, to interact with you, to understand you, to know whether what you're thinking fits within the organization. Um, and then there were some courses, pre-courses I had to take to see whether I could uh, would, whether I, my, my level of, of, of education would be uh, okay for literacy work. So I took an unpaid leave, I remember, from my uh, job and uh, said, okay, I, I have to go to this. I might come back, I might not come back. If they accept me uh, for weekly Bible translators, you will not see me again, but otherwise I would love to come back. After two or three months, he said, oh, I can continue with the courses. So I was accepted by weekly. Uh, and then I had to do a, a one-year uh, linguistic and literacy training. 
But of course, as you said, there are so many places where Clip is working. So then the next question was, where would I go to? And the only thing I knew was that I would have preference for an English-speaking country because um, I didn't want to learn French myself or another language. And the second thing was that I, I felt more attracted to Africa. Don't ask me why, but, but that is how I felt. So I said, well, probably an English-speaking country in Africa. That's all I knew. Uh, but I had no idea. And then one weekend, I, I went to stay with my brother. Uh, who was actually going to the same church uh, as my parents did and I, as I did before I went to university. And um, he said, oh, today we're not going to uh, the Baptist church, but we go to a different church because our two churches together will go to Romania for a mission trip. Uh, and I knew all my friends were also going to be part of that mission trip. So I said, okay, let me join you in that church. And I was in the church and during the church service, uh, one lady got up front and she was sharing about literacy work in Gap. So, okay, it, it took, <laughs> I was attentive to what she was saying, but it, it still didn't uh, fall into place completely. But then there was an offering for Wycliffe Bible translators. And then I was like, wow, this lady is working for Bible translators as a literacy worker in Ghana. So after the church service, uh, I went to her, we started talking. She was on furlough. So after a few days, I visited her in her house. And then um, she was not only working there for Wycliffe Bible Translated, but she was also looking for a partner uh-huh. <laughs> uh, to work with her in literacy work. So oh, that wow. opened the door. She went back to Ghana and then we started writing letters. That was the time before email. And I really felt, yeah, this is this is the right place to go to. So that is how God directed me to Ghana. It reminds me of Psalm 37, verse 23, which mm-hmm. says, the Lord directs the step of the righteous. I mean, that's really true. He did that for you. And the way he yeah. connected you with your initial Wycliffe partner in Ghana is really proof of that. So mm-hmm. tell us about your life and work those first few years in Ghana. I mean, you were in a completely different culture. You had left, you know, home and and and, and some dreams behind. Um what did God show you during that during that time? Uh, it was kind of scary. It was exciting. You know, the first times could also be lonely because you get into a kind of vacuum. Eh? You don't have new relationships yet where you are. But um, when I got involved with many of the Ghanaian people and the Dagomba people, uh, of whom only 5 to 10% is Christian uh, and who are really, um, especially at that time, now it's a little bit less but I really opposed uh, when they become Christians. Um, I learned so much about that strong faith people had. You couldn't be like a church member who was neither caught, cold or hot. You, you had to stand for Christ. Either you choose and, and take the opposition or you, you go back to the other group of people. You couldn't be in the middle somewhere. No so I learned there, huh? No, no warmness at all. You couldn't be. And then also... Of course, the communities where I worked were fairly poor. Um, people were in need. And that strong faith people had just for their daily needs. Like Jesus said, okay, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. You know, and, and the daily bread they were praying for. And people literally so honestly in the beginning, I learned so much. The contentment of people with the little they had but just be so joyous and happy. 
And it really taught me, and of course, I was also in a position, I was in a quite remote place where there was little healthcare, um, you know, the, 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 it, it, was, it was not an easy time. There was not much choice of food, uh, but to depend on God for everything. And um, yeah, that, that is really what God showed me uh, those first years, to, to depend on him like my Canadian brothers and sisters. Uh, so I learned a lot from that. Yes. Yeah. You know, friends, there are a lot of widows and orphans in places like Ghana and all over the world who need to experience the tangible expression of God's love right now. Many have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the widow and orphan tab at the top of the page. So Yoka, God had a surprise for you in Ghana. You were willing to sacrifice your desire for marriage and for family to follow God, but that is where you met and married your husband, which that's a story all in itself. So how did you actually meet and eventually marry? Yeah, so I was posted in a, what I said, a fairly remote place uh, at that time. Yeah, because at that time the roads were bad. Uh, and I was working there uh in adult literacy to teach people to read and write, to be able to read the word of God, but also for people who are not Christians, but just to encourage them to learn to read and write and then give them the word of God as a big book they could read. So my now husband, Abakari, he moved to Yendi after I'd been there for a while. And actually the day he came to Yendi, he went to the pastor's house and that pastor was also a close friend of me. So when he went to Yendi to the pastor's house to ask him where I could find accommodation. And I just walked out of the house and Abukari knew, okay, that is going to be my wife. Of course, I didn't know anything. It was going on furlough. Uh, but when I came back, he came to our office and he said, um, we have some, some, we have planted some small churches, but none of the people in the church can read. Uh, can your office help us to, to teach the people how to read, to train some volunteers? I said, sure, we can do that. So we went to some of the community churches and that is how we started to talk. And I realized he was a very good in language and I needed a new language teacher. So he became a language teacher and then we became very good friends. And then somehow it, it clicked more than that. And um, yeah, so we, um, yeah, then, then the culture of Ghana is different in the sense that dating and all the things we know in the West uh, is different there. So at some point, Abukai asked me, Yoke, do you want to marry me? And I was like, marry you? Yes, I, I like you very much. You're a very good friend, but don't we miss uh, a dating period? And, and that was really difficult because cultures were there so different. In Ghana, you... When you really have studied someone and you, you think you want to marry that person, you know, you, you agree to that and then you work towards it. And it doesn't mean that it cannot go wrong at some point. Um, so for me, that was very, very difficult. But Abukari is, is a bit pushy. He's a very determined person. So he was, he didn't give up. <laughs> I need to know your answer. So I shared it with some few very, very close friends. He said, this is what is happening. And I said, I, I think I can say yes. And I just pray that God will work towards the process with us so that everything will, will work out. So that is, uh, and I think when I left the Netherlands, the pastor of my church asked me, Joke, are you not running away from the fact that you're being single? Um, how, what, what do you see? And I said, yes, well, I, I still have the desire to marry. 
but um, the person I marry should have that same desire for sharing the word of God with people. He should have that mission heart. And here was Abakari, a, a former Muslim who had become a Christian, uh, went to Bible school, was put by the church in the same area was I was working to preach the word of God, to train church leaders, to plant new churches. So, I mean, it couldn't have more beautiful than, you know, coming together as a good, that, that, that love for the word of God, that love for the people around us really, really uh, was something we had so much in common. Yeah. And I love stories like yours. I, I, I he, I've heard them, you know, I've heard others like this, um, that, you're following God and you just, mm -hmm. you sacrifice your own desires to follow God. And he fulfills those desires because he put yes. them in you, put them in you in the first place. Mm -hmm. But as we follow him, he fulfills them in a way that we never could have uh, found <laughs> on our own, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, Yendi of all places at that time, I mean, it was remote. There was nothing there. How could I have found my husband in in this place, you know, yeah, it's amazing how God's works. Yeah. 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 So you did get married and a couple of days mm -hmm. after the wedding, you mm -hmm. left for a honeymoon on the coast, mm -hmm. but it didn't turn out as you expected. Uh, what happened and what did God show you through this quite harrowing experience? We flew from uh, the northern part of Ghana, like uh, it's a one hour flight to the south, to the coast. And getting closer to the airport, uh, we were warned and said there's going to be some turbulence because there is a rainstorm uh, above Accra. So, okay, we tightened our belts and uh, we were waiting. But then as we were landing and approaching the airport, well, of course, I, I don't know all that happened, but at some point it was a big bang and the plane crashed. It, it actually landed uh, in front of the tarmac in the mud. Uh, the plane had feared, so the wing had touched the the ground uh, and, and then so, so the plane uh, broke into two. We were actually the second row um, behind the cockpit and right behind where we were seated, uh, the plane broke into two. So there was something which was going through my mind. I still remember very vividly was that when I heard the big bang and and all the noise and whatever happens, I I thought, oh God, am I going to die? I that was what I was thinking. And I thought, oh, if I was going to die, but now I, I should have, I don't know where that comes from, that idea, but my whole life should pass in front of me and it didn't. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to die. That's somehow new. But what I really also realized is though Abakari was sitting right next to me, I thought, if I was going to die, there's nobody who can do anything for you. If it is your time, it is your time. If you are to die, you are to die. And that's really, made me so conscious of the fact that there, there, you can't change it anymore at that time. So so as, as, as people, we have to know where we stand in relation to God. Do we know Christ? You know, do we know that through him, you know, we have access to God? Or are we not all that sure what will happen after we die? And that was some of the things I really realized. That is, that is how it is. Nobody can apart from God, who can save you out of death, which he did. Anyway, so then after the crash, Abakari found himself next to the plane, uh, one foot up in the air, stuck on the plane, and his other foot in the mud. And he said, Joker, I still don't know what happened. Somebody came 
at the back of me, he, you know, he, he, he kicked my leg out of the, or used his hand to, to uh, get his foot out of the plane. And he said, there was I standing with two feet in the mud, looking at a plane crash where I had just been seated in. And he said, people trying to come out of the plane. And I heard him pray. I heard him pray next to the plane. So I know, okay, Abukari is there. Um, he'll find me. So Abukari was looking for me. He couldn't find me. Um, a rescue team came. There were contract workers working at the airport uh, who came with the big machines and everything. So once they had taken all the people who were on top of the plane and they were trying to use uh, um, some machines to lift the plane up, the, the tail up, so they could enter the opening of the, the plane where it was broken. And as Abukari was still looking for me, he saw a piece of my white leg. And of course, there were some few white people on the plane, but there were not so many. So he knew that was my foot. So he went to the commander, it was um, under the military, the, the airport. He went to the commander and said, there's still somebody there. And the commander said, no, we have taken everybody. And well, uh, those who know Abukari, you know, he will not just take it like that. He just grabbed the man's arm, pulled him to where he had seen my foot. I said, look, there is still somebody. And then the commander was like, oh, a white foot, a white foot. I went, stop, 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 stop. So then they found me. And there were some few others still with me uh, under the luggage and the chairs and the debris of the plane. They pulled me out. They they they, they tried to use some machines to make my, my legs were stuck. And um, anyway, but, but God kept me conscious to be able to give people directions what to do and not to do, because some people broke the legs when they pulled them out of the plane. There was so much panic and everything. So truly, uh, later when, uh, you know, the people came to us to, to greet us after the plane crash, they say, oh, God has saved you twice. You know, he saved me when we uh, crashed. And then he also saved me again when Abukari found me there. And uh, yeah, that was quite a different honeymoon than we had expected it to be. But I can also still manage during the the service, um, the the pastors were called to pray for us. And I remember so well that um, they prayed for us that God would put a wall of fire around us to protect us. This is during your wedding. That was during the wedding ceremony. Yes, exactly. That was during the wedding ceremony. The people who, of course, the communication at that time was very difficult. So once people heard the plane had crashed and they knew we were inside, a lot of people thought we were dead. On the day of the marriage, there was a big celebration at Abukari's family house. And then when he heard about the plane, uh, people gathered there. It was like a house of mourning because all of them thought, uh, who would survive a plane crash? And it was only later when uh, a journalist interviewed Abukari, like, how, how, what happened? How did he get out of the plane? He said, oh, yes, I'm Pastor Abukari from uh, Yendi and Tamle. And he shared with them how, how Jesus had saved us. And then everybody knew, oh, Yoke and Abukari, they are still alive. Wow. So you ended up in the hospital and so did Abukari, mm -hmm. but you were right. anywhere near one another. So God even <laughs> intervened there, didn't he? Yes, he did. It was amazing. There was one lady, one of our colleagues knew, and she was a nurse working for the American embassy. Uh, and at that time, there was no mobile phone, but she had two kind of Motorola's. So she said, Yoga, I, I knew her a little bit. She said, oh, Yoga, you take this one and I'll send the other one to Abukari. So we had the opportunity to converse a little, to hear each other's voices and knew uh, we were fine. So, so that was really helpful. And people, 
I think in Ghana, it's so people hear about these things. And uh, what I loved so much at that time, I was in the hospital. I, I, I couldn't move. I couldn't walk. I couldn't get up. But people who had heard it on the news came to visit the hospital and said, we heard about the plankers. I'm coming to bring you food. I'm coming to bring you clothes. I'm coming to pray for you. And that was such a, a precious time for me, you know, to know all these people were so concerned that I didn't even know them and how they showed the love of Christ and, and shared the compassion of Christ to me in a very um, physical way. It, it was beautiful. And you you mentioned to me that, you know, during that whole process, you realized that God wasn't done with you. You know, mm-hmm. he saved you for a purpose. Right. Um, right. And now you've been serving and living and living in Ghana for more than 20 years. You have two sons. Um, share some other stories that you've seen mm. about God's faithfulness and providing for you and caring for you and even protecting you and your family over the years. There are so, so many blessings uh, we receive in 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 working and, and receive through God. I think uh, what is so beautiful to see is that in, in the work we, we are privileged to do um, in literacy, where some of the, the people who are now pastors actually learned to read in Dagbani, uh, started to read the word of God and God's really speaking to them and putting that desire in them. We want to know more about this. And some of those people who are part of our adult literacy program then then tried to find some Christians in the area and would speak to them and became Christians themselves. And some of them are currently pastors, some of the local churches. That's just amazing um, that you actually get to see some of the fruit of your labors. I mean, not everybody does. You know, God says some plant, some water, some harvest. We don't always get to see the fruit of what we do, but God's given you a glimpse of at least some of it. Yeah, that, that's really beautiful. And um, and that, that is also what keeps us going sometimes. So I had a, the little wings of God and say, hey, uh, I'm there and I am I'm working, even if you don't see it. And I also remember in our literacy work, when we did the adult literacy, uh, because the percentage of Christians is very small. So um, we would engage a lot of non-Christians to become facilitators to teach reading and writing in the communities. And sometimes we would give out um, Bibles as just a gift to them. And I remember in one meeting where we were gathered uh, with some of these facilitators, uh, one of them was was holding the Bible. He was not a Christian, and most of the facilitators were not, was holding the Bible and was so excited. He said, I've been reading this book and everybody should read it. And I was smiling and I was like, well, here is a non-Christian telling non-Christians to read the Bible, it, it's so beautiful. <laughs> and some of some of these facilitators too. Um, last year or so, one of my coworkers was sharing with me that he went to a naming ceremony when a child is born. They do a naming ceremony, and he said this man had given the child Christian names, and the people in the village was like, "But why?" Are you giving this child these names? Because we, we don't know these names in this area. We don't use these names. So, okay, he just wants to give his girl these names. So when my, my colleague also went uh, and, and was part of that celebration, um, this man shared with my colleague. He said, yes, I've been reading the Bible. And he said, on the outside, I am still one of them. But on the inside, I've become a Christian. 
and 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 these things are just so precious uh, to to see happen. Uh, but yeah, God has also taken care of us in many different ways. Um, our boys, especially when they were small, uh, where we were, the healthcare was very poor, and you know, at times we had to rush them to the hospital. And um, it was not always a doctor, but anytime we came, there was a doctor to take care of them. And it always happened when Abakara was not around, and maybe I wouldn't have a car. And then even you know, doctors would say, "Oh." take you back on my motorbike to the house so that that kind of love of God for us and that care and the provision of these daily things and uh, it has really taught me so much that in all we are dependent on God you know we, we, we might have tried to um, protect yourself against so many things but we are dependent on God for everything and uh, even even, yeah, even fixing your car right Right, fixing our car, yes. Like, I remember, and it's not once happened, but one time we were traveling from north to south, through a, from south to north, through also a quite remote uh, area, bad road. And our car got overheated in the middle of nowhere. It was a road where not many cars do pass. So we're standing there, the boys were still small, and we're looking, okay, so what are we going to do? And then, uh, lo and behold, a pickup was passing, and... Well, people here in Ghana, when they see somebody in trouble, they would definitely stop. So this uh, two people stopped and they were checking our car. I said, oh, yeah, we are our car mechanics. Oh, yes, you need uh, water. Don't worry. We'll go to the next village. We get water to cool down the engine. So they came back. They even did everything for us. I mean, and then uh, they waited with us to make sure that the car would be able to, to finish its journey to the north. And um, at the end of it, we said, okay, so what can we give you? No, 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 no. We just do this out of love. So it was like angels just passing by <laughs> to take care of this very, well, yeah, they, they look like small things, but they were big to us. And uh, yeah, how God, you know, provided in so many different ways for us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we close yoga, um, share about a woman in the Bible, who's inspired or encouraged or taught you something? Yeah, yeah. I, I when I thought of, I, I thought of Ruth, you know, Ruth who was with Naomi, who, who was this Moabite woman who um, had uh, married the son of Naomi, and when the sons died and the husband died in Moab, no one was going to go back to Israel to Bethlehem where she came from. And then Ruth, the sister-in-law, wanted to follow her. And in those verses, said uh, Ruth said to Naomi, Naomi didn't want her to go back with her. But then Ruth said, okay, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your gods, my God. Where you die, I will die. And then I will be buried. You know, and I, I was thinking about this, of course, in, in all the changes I went through, I moved from one culture to another. And Naomi had nothing to offer Ruth because Naomi had nothing left. She had lost her husband. She had lost her sons. No prospect of offspring. Um, and here was Ruth, this Moabite woman who was probably not going to be loved in Israel because of uh, the relationship between Moab and Israel. And Ruth was determined to go um was willing to bring sacrifices 
and was willing to commit herself fully to God and, and follow him and commit herself to the life of the people there. And of course, for me, maybe there has been sacrifices I've been making uh, because I, I left my country and moved to Ghana. But we all make sacrifices as Christians. We all have to let go of certain things. Uh, and sometimes it comes with pain. Sometimes it comes with tears. Um, and I'm sure for Ruth, it would have been an easy journey. But then if you, you, you follow the story of Ruth, you see how God extends his grace to her and blesses her. And I think, yes, I, I hope that will be the story of everybody. You know, when you commit yourself to Christ, it, it, it comes with sacrifices. And for me, it came with sacrifices moving from the Netherlands to Ghana. But if we fulfill God's calling, whatever it is, it can be, you can be mother, you can be uh, administrator, whatever it is, you know, God will bless us and God will extend his grace to us. And I think, yes, that story uh, resonates with me a lot. And um, I have seen it in my life. And I'm sure the sacrifices will not end. There will always be phases in our life. We have to make new sacrifices. We grieve again. But if we commit ourselves, we are determined. Uh, and the way God calls us, then God will definitely bless us. And uh, yeah, that is what I I wanted to share about truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in John 15, verses 1, 4, and 5, uh, we read about the vine and the branches. Jesus said, I'm the vine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it, that reminds me of the verse we started with in Acts uh, 17, 28. In him, we live and we move and we have our being. Because when we're in Christ, abiding in him, connected to him, we see his fruit in our lives. And God mm -hmm. doesn't call everyone to move to a faraway place like he did you. <laughs> mm -hmm. But he calls each of us to abide in him and be fruitful where he places us. Like you said, it could be as a mom, it could be as an administrator, it mm -hmm. could be, you know, mm -hmm. working um, in government, or it could be serving in yeah. our military, it could be many, many mm -hmm. places. Uh, but if God places you there and you abide in him, mm -hmm. you'll bear fruit. Right, right. Well, could yeah. you take a moment and pray for our listeners? Yeah, I will. Yes. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for this time together. Lord, to share your story. Lord, to share your goodness. Lord, to share the faithfulness you have shown to us in so many different ways. Lord, um, we want to thank you. That wherever we are, you are with us. Lord, and I pray for all the people who are listening to this podcast, uh, women, or maybe even no women, but men. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for them, Lord. We want to thank you for their lives. Lord, you know them, you know, each one of them, Lord. You know what is in their hearts. You know what is in their lives. You know what is troubling them. Lord Jesus, we want to pray that you want 
uh, will extend your grace to them, Lord, that you will um, speak to them in whatever way they will be able to hear, that you are there with them, Lord, that you care for them, Lord, that you want them to live that full life in you, that they be encouraged, Lord, by your words and be taught by your words. Lord, I pray for all their needs as well. Lord, our needs can be um, coming to us in so many different ways. But Lord, in a special way, I pray that you will meet those um, which are which need your, your intervention, Lord. And I, I want to thank you uh, for this beautiful program. And I want to thank you for you because, Lord, without you, uh, without being connected to this fine Lord, there is little we can do. And we want to thank you that you have shown yourself in so many different ways in our lives, but also in the lives of all of us who are currently listening. We, we want to thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in. Check out our show notes at hergodstory.org for scriptures, links, and other information. And you can sign up there for our emails and get a free six-week downloadable devotional guide on women of the Bible. Or you can purchase a 12-week devotional on women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to support our widow and orphan fund. If God spoke to you through this episode, think about starting a podcast club. You can have friends, neighbors, or colleagues listen to it too, and then gather around your favorite refreshments to discuss what God's saying to each of you. We've suggested questions online at hergodstory.org under our podcast club section to help you. And now, dear friends, I bless you from 1 Chronicles 22, verses 11 through 13. May the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his directions. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey all his law all the days of your life, for you will be successful if you carefully obey him. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or lose heart. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.